Welcome to Literary Quest, a podcast hosted by us, Vicki and Marissa, where we discuss our favorite and fantasy fiction and hopefully can direct you in your quest to find your next great read. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Literary Quest. This week we'll be discussing These Hollow Vows by Lexi Ryan. This was a reader request. I think someone reached out on our Instagram page like a while ago, sorry, and asked us to talk about this book. So we're doing it. Here you go. I'll kick off our characters and Vicky will take off with our plot. So for our characters, we have Brie or Abriella Kincaid, who is a 17-year-old woman who's been taking care of her younger sister, Jaslyn, since she was eight years old. When Brie was a child, she and her sister were caught in a house fire that nearly killed Brie. And after the fire, their mother left them in the care of their uncle, Devlin, so that she could go live with the Fae. We have Sebastian, who is a 21-year-old man who is one of Brie's few friends and who she later discovers is actually Prince Ronan Sebastian of the Seely. His mother is Queen Arya of the Seely and she of, of the Sun Court, really. Um, and uh, Sebastian is actually Faye. And then we have Finn, or Prince Finian, who is the rightful heir to the throne of the shadows and is the nephew to King Mordius, who usurps the title from Finn's father, King Oberon. Oberon has since died, and Finn has been working for a long time to reclaim his throne and set things right in his kingdom. This book takes place in Elora, specifically in Fairscape, which is where the most of the humans and some goblins and other stuff, other creatures live, and in Fairy. Vicky. Yes. I will do that. Okay. So... Bree and her sister Jazz are living in poverty and are indebted to their aunt. Bree has been stealing to help make ends meet, and she's a fantastic thief. After too many missed payments, their aunt sells Jazz to King Mordius, the unseely Fey King. Um, Bree is determined to get her sister back, and luckily, the Seely Queen is having a ball to find uh, the prince a wife. Bree uses this as an excuse to get into fairy. And while she is there, she makes a deal with King Mordius. She will obtain three items that the Seely court stole from the Unseely, and after that, her sister will be freed. Along the way, Bree finds out that she has magical powers that allow her to manipulate the shadows. She teams up with Finn, who turns out to be the rightful heir to the throne of shadows and is trying to overthrow Mordius. Then the prince of uh, Seely turns out to be her friend Sebastian, who she thought was just a mage. And while she's determined to get her sister back, she cannot help her growing and conflicting feelings between Finn and Sebastian. Uh, Spoilers ahead. So this was a first read for you, right? And for me. Yes. First read for both of us. For both of us. Yes. It was fine. I think if it hadn't been young adult, I probably would have 
liked everyone in the story better. I just have such a hard time when the characters are so dumb because the whole time I'm thinking like, I know you're making bad decisions because you're prefrontal cortex is still developing and you literally can't do any better than you're doing right now so you you do the best you do the best but I wish you could do better (laughs) but I know you can't (laughs) oh gosh I know you're doing the best you can it's so frustrating (laughs) it is yeah yeah there are like YA books out there where the they're older they're older it's just that the content isn't spicy it's like fake black and stuff well I think like Cinderella is dead for example Mm -hmm. YA loved it it was was great Mm -hmm. throne of glass loved that like with my whole heart I loved that now that got that trans trans like to translated to new adult later on in the series but it started out pretty strong YA Mm -hmm. um but then I also think about that kingdom of the wicked Wicked? Mm -hmm. curse I don't the first one in that series by Carrie Maniscalco that we read and I think that was YA and I could like the main character was intolerable so yeah I don't feel that way about this main character like I enjoyed her most of the time. I just, I wanted better for her, maybe. So what did you think of Brie, the main character? Yeah, so she's pretty typical of a YA character, but I liked her. Um, You know, she, I like that she was a thief. That's always Mm -hmm. a little more fun when you get somebody who's not super innocent as the main lead in YA novels especially um so that was that was a positive I liked her she I think was doing probably the best that she could in a really terrible circumstance I think it's like pretty awesome that she figured out hey I may be bad at making money the regular way but I'm really good at stealing it so I'm gonna do that um and so because of that she was able to keep herself and her sister mostly afloat um until the start of this book when her friend nick ended up needing all of the money because her daughter signed a terrible contract with an awful person to sacrifice herself for medicine for her mother and so i think that really speaks to Bree's character right she is it we do we call it a chaotic good is that what we would call this like she's a good person who doesn't really care about rules she just does the things that kind of serves her maybe um with a good intent right so she's I think a good friend and a good sister and obviously very dedicated to caring for other people yeah and I'm always down for somebody who steals from the rich yeah (laughs) always always steal from the rich it's that robin hood mentality i think yep just forever in love with a man in tights wasn't he a fox robin hood yeah i mean in the disney movie he was a fox (laughs) that's what i thought you were talking (laughs) about 
talking about? <laughs> the Mel Brooks Robin Hood. Oh, Carrie Yule. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, right. Moving along, um, I think we run into some things here that are pretty canon for the Fae, right? So Always. rule one, never trust them, never make a deal with them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which she does. Yep, she does. Mm-hmm. She both trusts and makes deals with the Fae. Mm-hmm. She is pretty smart about this deal that she makes with Mordius, though. She makes him swear on his magic, and she makes the deal that she swears to him pretty broad, so it's not, there's, like, some wiggle room within it. So she, yeah. all, like, she makes some questionable decisions in the story, but Bree does do a good job when she makes this deal for Jaslyn. So we'll give her points for that. Okay. Also, canon for Faye, they're bad at procreation. Like across the board, bad at having children. Yeah. The excuse I I feel like is always like, oh, it's because they're so long lived that they don't have as many kids. Yeah. Yes. Like for population control, maybe. Maybe. But, like, clearly this is not working because they're dying off. Uh, it's the same thing with, like, alien romances. The female aliens always either are, like, dead from some sort of plague or can't have children because of some mm-hmm. sort of plague. Yeah. I'm not sure I've read any that aren't like that. Or only have, like, male children. Right, yeah. Or only have, yeah, for some reason... No more female babies are being born. Yeah. 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 So there is also that, which is like kind of the whole basis of why Brie ends up in, in fairy. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a ball for Prince Ronan so that he can select a wife and breed her. <laughs> How romantic. <laughs> the epitome of romance. Yeah. Right yeah. That's what I'm always looking for. Who wants to breed? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Fairscape, the world that Bree lives in, sounds like a shithole. Yes. Um, yeah, it, it really does. Uh, not to mention there's also all that victim blaming that happens with... Okay. <laughs> With the people, so people are just like um, Bree's sister, Jazz. She sold to the Fae because their debt was too high. So they mention in the book that people um, people say things like, "Well, if people don't want to be sold to the Fae, they shouldn't take on so much debt." Like, tell me you don't understand debt and poverty without telling me you don't understand debt and poverty, because mm-hmm. this is the problem. Uh, I feel like this is something that translates to real life. I mean, people don't get oh, sold sure. to the Fae, but it's a cycle oh, it is they don't get sold to the fae they just get sucked into like i don't know two hundred thousand dollars worth of student loan debt at a high interest rate that they will never in their lives pay off yeah but yep. the fae would be better mm-hmm. i'd probably choose to be sold to the fae yeah yeah it reminds me of that shirt paris hilton wore that one time that said stop being poor <laughs> yeah 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 just stop why don't you just yeah if only yeah just give it up the country i guess the town i 
world, you know, whatever, um, that is very much ruled by the rich. So I we mean, should steal from them and give to the poor. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> equal, equal monies. Yes. Um, what was I saying? Oh, so what the way that they do this is they sell like contracts, but the contracts aren't breakable. It's like their soul or something. The way I read this, right? It's slavery. Well, it's slavery. Yes. But I thought there was more to it, like a magical component to it. Because when she goes into that one guy's vault and is like just takes like three small bags, she like mm-hmm. feels stuff coming from the this pile oh, of from contracts. contracts. Yeah. yeah. They're magical contracts. So they are magical. Okay. They're magical okay. contracts. Yeah. The Nick, her friend, her friend's daughter signs a contract mm-hmm. with Gorst, mm-hmm. which is a terrible name. Um, who uh, Brie is stealing from at the start of the book and Brie finds it and you know we find out that Nick's daughter signed a magical contract with Gorst uh, for money so that she could buy medicine for her mother well and Nick can't pay it back right mm-hmm. or the daughter can't pay it back and so because she signed a magical contract and can't pay it back that I guess makes her Gorst's property yeah, I guess that must be what they signed off. Yes, that that does it do seem... it it do yeah. sound like slavery. It does. That sounds mm-hmm. well, like especially real... especially when it's something like, oh yeah, you can sign this contract. I'll give you the money, but it's like it's like loan shark. Oh, okay, you can't pay the money back, and like all of this interest rate, so you'll come work for me or something, right? Mm-hmm. And but just like what happened with Bree and her sister. They're also racking up debt somehow while they're working. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll, uh, maybe the person who has the contract is like, oh, I provided you a mop. So that's coming out of your, like, uh, that's added to your debt, like $12 mm-hmm. extra for a mop. You want water? $20. And it's just keeps going and then it's out of control. And your whole life is lived like this. Yeah. And the, ultra wealthy put actually i don't think it really is explained why the there's so much class difference in, in this. no no really. i guess it's just regular old greed oh yeah that old <laughs> chestnut <laughs> yeah yeah so. super guy it's i don't know i just i mean Brie goes outside for like five minutes and her landlord sells her sister <laughs> into, into slavery. Don't. It's terrible. It is. So don't leave the house because yeah. you come back. All your stuff's gone. Sorry. No. That's terrible. I, I think I would probably take my chances with the Fae. Or I don't know. You know, probably with the Fae. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it's probably the only option other than, I don't know if there's, the way they made I mean, it sound, it didn't sound like there was another, like, country to run off to. Yeah. I mean, it's very much like a rock and a hard place type of situation, it sounds like. So, Brie 
I don't know, just kind of seems to walk through life like, oh, how pretty are these red flags? Like, they're so nice. All of these like alarming and bad things happen around her and she just kind of keeps making bad decisions. Yeah. So she, um, she decides to go to the to the ball that's happening in in fairy so that she can try to find her sister mm -hmm. and you know she starts dancing and just dances and dances and then does not realize that she's being like i don't know magicked mm -hmm. yeah um and then she meets this stranger and he's like come with me okay and she goes with him yeah and then she's like, no, nah, I don't like what this guy has to say. I'm going to run into the dark forest. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Just not, just not the best decision making. She also, so in the, in the midst of these things happening, she runs into Prince Finney and he's the one that takes her out into the woods or to a cabin or an inn or something, a doctor. Before that, she runs into Sebastian, her friend, who is training with the mage next door in Fairscape. And she's like, oh, huh, you're Prince Ronan. And she is super betrayed, which I think is a really interesting moment because I did not understand why she was so upset. Yeah, first off, it was very obvious that he was fake. She goes, he's the most beautiful man. And I said, he's got to be Faye. Like, <laughs> 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 nope, he's Faye. So, yeah, and she's so upset, which, I mean, she did grow up hating the Faye. And she's upset mm -hmm. by this betrayal, but at the same time, like, he had to keep it a secret. So I don't, I mean, she didn't tell him everything. No. And he knew that she hated the Fae and yeah. he wanted to be her friend. Like, why would he be like, oh, yeah, I know you hate mm -hmm. people like me, but I'm Fae. Yeah, she never would have given him the chance to even be friends. No. Although maybe she would have been swayed by his beauty. Maybe. Sick. I don't know. She's really upset. Mm -hmm. And I did not understand why. She runs away from him because that's what you do. You just run away from your problems, really. That's the other um, thing. I feel like YA characters do that all the time when they're mad. They just run away. They're like, oh, my God, swoon and run away or something because they're yeah. so angry. And I just, I would not be like, I would not. I would stay there and I would explain yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um. I, find, I found Sebastian to be a really suspicious character. Oh, yeah. Um, there were things that happened, you know, and obviously we find out in the end that those feelings are justified. But um, I didn't trust him. I didn't really trust Finn all that much either. But I wanted to because you always root for the dark and broody one. Um, but I think we're probably like it felt like we were getting Tamland when I was reading this book, like. There's no way this guy that just happens to live next door to her 
and is training to use magic in the human world and is super nice and has silver hair and is very attractive and is also a prince. Like there's no way that he's also a spectacular person. We are being Tamland. Mm-hmm. And we were. Yeah, we were. We were. I knew it was, that's, I was a, there's no way that they create like, the author wrote this perfect man or fay or whatever. No, there has to be some sort of conflict, right? Mm-hmm. Other than because she couldn't just go. Oh, this—he's been my dream for a while, and then she meets Finn and is like, "Oh, just kidding." If Sebastian doesn't have a flaw mm-hmm. and doesn't do something major, which mm, when we get to it, I don't think we're there yet. But when we talk about what he did, I just—I don't understand. Sebastian. Yes. Griffin, Sebastian. Sebastian. Yeah. Okay. I felt yeah. at reading this, you know, there because there are supposed to be two love interests. And I just felt like Sebastian was so just white bread, sort of. Yes. Um, I remember I texted you about it and I laughed out loud when you sent back that as a description because it's so accurate. <laughs> He's just yeah. like the good guy. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I found it uh, the more that we see his character, the more suspicious he becomes. So I found it like really suspicious that he just happened to be training with the magician that lived next door to her. And um, I don't know. Then we find out that he gave her a necklace, which was actually a tracking device. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, he did something else. Oh, they keep pushing the bond. Yep. Like everybody's bringing up the bond to her. His best friend is like, you should bond. And he's like, yeah, bonds are great. We should bond. And she's like, hmm. everyone is asking about it. It's very suspect. Mm-hmm. That bond thing. We we knew when we were texting back and forth. There's definitely something with this bond. We did a pretty good job of calling out what happens. Yeah, I kind of like that. I mean, and that's one of the things that I liked about it because so it's frustrating when you're reading in the book, right? When you're going through and it's like, why she isn't a Bree's not asking any of the good questions. Like I need the answers. Mm -hmm. But because of that, you do get to do some fun like speculation, like, okay, well, I think this is probably happening with this character. I think Sebastian is probably a pile of bricks. I think that um this is what's going on with maybe the crown that they're all trying to get. So it's it's almost like solving a mystery. Yeah. Which is fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We did a good job at kind of speculating on what was going to happen and what was actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good, good, good on us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if that means we've, we're, we're just super smart or if we've just read too many of these books. Maybe it can be both. It could be both. Maybe it can be both. Um, so when Brie is in the castle, um, she like literally walks through a wall. Her hand disappears and she's like, huh. Her reaction to that was not normal. <laughs> That's new. Just no reaction <laughs> to it. Like, huh guess i can do that now <laughs> okay cool 
um yeah that was that was something else um so she she goes to mortius's castle and she makes a deal for her sister uh and the deal is that she has to get sebastian to love her so that she can get the three relics that he's asked for i this book is set up to be like a love triangle and i don't love that trope yeah me either I became even less of a fan of it when I started reading Reverse Harems. Same. Why choose? Yeah. You don't have to choose. Let's make a brie sandwich. Like. Mm -hmm. Except with like one of the most like white bread guys. Uh, Truly. To be honest with these characters, I would be completely fine with her choosing none of them and just doing it on her own. I actually thought the... For me, some of the most compelling parts of this book were just her running around by herself. I mean, she was kind of super... But I would like to see just more of fairy in general. You know, we saw a couple mm-hmm. of the monsters, which was cool. Um, so I would like to see more of that. Mm-hmm. Although I do not think... So she... So, you know, King Mortius or whatever says, oh, you have to get the prince to trust you right mm-hmm. or have him hold his trust that was the whole thing hold his trust because she already has trust. so she basically just straight up asks for things yeah right and she's not suspicious about why he's just so easily agrees to it because i he <sighs> we don't know he's such a shit bag though in the middle of the story we know he's suspicious but we also just think like, oh, he's really smitten with her. Like he's very taken with her because he is pretty charming and he's also pretty convincing. Mm-hmm. And maybe he really does have those feelings for her. I don't know. We'd have to read the second book. Um, yeah, I there is definitely a lack of subtlety on her part when it comes to things. So um, like asking for the the magic mirror, for example, she legit just asked for it. Mm -hmm. and then she's asking him about like she confronts him about like his mom and the cursed unseelie and the bad things that are happening to people and he's like how do you know about this and she's like i heard it from somewhere from one of the other like human girls just wandering around yeah Yeah. and then he does that whole I can trust you, right? Oh my gosh. That killed me. <laughs> if you have to ask, like, I can trust you, right? The answer is no. Uh, the answer is no. And he's like, but can I really trust you? And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can trust me. You can trust me. So... But also, can we go back to the fact that she was wearing a tracking device for half of the book? Oh, yeah, and and he didn't say anything. He didn't say anything. And Finn is like, you're wearing a tracking device. And she's like, huh. It actually kind of made me think, you know, in Harry Potter, they have the um, Martyrs map. What is it? Right? The map. and Oh, the Marauders map. Marauders map. That's it. The Marauders map. And how... Fred and George must have seen Ron like sleeping in bed with 
Peter Pettigrew and just never said anything. <laughs> it reminds me of that a little bit because he's like, he knows she's going off somewhere, but he's not saying anything. Oh, that's funny. I had never thought about that before. Oh. Fascinating. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Sebastian knows that she's sneaking off, hanging out with Finn, his arch enemy. And Finn's like, yeah, you're wearing a tracking device. And she's not ever like, um, hey, Sebastian, maybe we should talk about the fact that you had a tracking device on me. Nope. That's a red flag, sweetie. <laughs> he had a lot of red flags. So this whole thing. So I guess red flag number one. I mean, not really, because I mean, obviously, but I, I guess it's a red flag lying to her about his identity right she finds out oh, yeah she goes to this thing and they're trying to pick a bride this reminds me of so cinderella for sure right mm -hmm. um but also the book the selection i don't remember who wrote it this is what it is this woman whose name is america goes to join or is asked to join like essentially the same thing like to be the next princess right to be bride and she basically mm -hmm. confides in the guy saying like i don't really want to be here i'm doing it because my parents get money every week right that i'm here because it's like the bachelor and he's like okay cool i like you enough that i'll just basically keep you around until the second like you'll be the final two <laughs> right mm -hmm. but then she gets mad when she sees him with other women oh. and i just it was yeah. And so it's similar to it. It was, it's similar in that way. He has to pick a bride and she gets all angry. But, you know, and she's told Sebastian multiple times now she doesn't want to live in fairy. And then she's kind of like, oh, well, maybe I just need some more time. It just, it reminded me so much of the selection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I haven't read the selection. It did remind me of Cinderella. And um, I want to say a little bit of Snow White at the end with those glass um, coffins. Yeah. yeah, I can see that. So this whole, the whole reason she went into fairy right was because her sister was kidnapped or bought i'm sorry bought but i felt felt like there was a good portion of this book where that was just not brought up or seemed urgent or anything like that was that just me or yeah no um i got the same vibe Right? Like, she was really concerned about her for a while, and then she got that mirror, and Finn was like, you can't, you can't trust that mirror. And she's like, mm, yeah. I don't care what you say. And so she keeps using it to look at her sister, and it's not even really an image of her sister that she's looking at. So I think probably she experienced like, I don't know. She was just really hoping that things were okay. And maybe this mirror was kind of a coping mechanism. 
I don't know. I think there's probably going to be some emotional damage that comes out of that. Yeah. Well, her poor sister already is. Yes. Was not about to go back. <laughs> no. So. No. Um. Yeah, I felt that way too. Very urgent for a while, and then was not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I don't I don't really understand um Bree's sort of interactions with Finn. Mm-hmm. It's because so- sorry, go ahead. No, it's like she wants to be his friend. She might be attracted to him. There is no chemistry or like any description of them spending time with each other that would make me think oh they're attracted to each other beyond like a couple of flirty comments maybe mm-hmm. yeah that seemingly came out of basically nowhere mm-hmm. there's this that whole scene where i guess it's Preetha. Mm-hmm. Um, is talking to Finn and being like, "You're falling for her. You've fallen for her." Like, at what? When? He yeah, spent so- like twenty minutes with her. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. Like, at and what I- point did he fall for her? Yeah. And I get being attracted and being like kind of jealous of somebody you're like because she is jealous of that one um woman who is a tribute i call her a tribute right and she sees her kissing finn and again though she kind of runs away from that i would have stuck around for the show mm-hmm. <laughs> i, I would have i would want to see what happened and if she had stuck around she probably would have seen what actually happened mm-hmm. but i i can get being like a little jealous of somebody that you find attractive being with somebody else but her response is rather visceral i think yeah to it she's pretty she's pretty upset yeah and i don't i don't know i just don't i have trouble buying into their attraction to each other and their relationship or even their friendship really which is sad because i like finn's character i think he's probably not a dirt bag and i would uh, like to see what could happen in a relationship between them mm-hmm. I just don't feel like there was a lot of meat for that in this book um, and yeah. I, I think that's probably some of the intention of the author because um, it is set up like a love triangle so there's this implication that there should be something going on between them I just don't feel like that got developed a whole lot yeah, maybe in the next book it's developed more, but it was, it was definitely. I I feel like she get, she attaches to people very quickly. Maybe. Yes, I agree with that, mm-hmm. and I think it's probably from. Oh, you know, her father died. Her mother abandoned them, so I'm sure that there's some like attachment issues that she has probably going on. Either like, I don't need people or I really need people. It's like an anxious attachment type of style, maybe. Um, She, yes, definitely get that vibe. Mm -hmm. 
um, especially with, I mean, like with everybody, it seems like she meets uh, Finn's friends, Preetha and Kane and Jalek. And she knows them for like a really short period of time. It's like, we're friends. Why don't you trust me? When they're not just like divulging all of their secrets. And at one point, Preetha says to her, we're trying to be your friends. Friends don't spy. And I have problems on both sides because one, she's not very familiar with them. So I feel like it's excessive to expect them to share their secrets when they don't know each other well. Um, but also Preetha being like, we're trying to be your friends and friends don't spy. Are, are you trying to be your friend? Because it sounds like this is more of a transactional type of situation. Right. Because we both had that feeling that maybe she's a sacrifice for something. Yeah. You know, so she shows up. She almost. Whatever happens. Why does she show up and she's like almost dead? Why can't I now remember what happened? Um, injured. She shows up, and then that's where they're like, "Why don't you just let her?" Oh, she overused her magic. Is yeah. that what happened? I know what and, you're talking about. Yeah, because Preetha says to Finn something like, "Oh, just like why not just leave it? She's so close anyway." Mm-hmm. So to dying, it's a slua. Oh, when she's she goes into the the cemetery. And I think they're called. Oh, Sula, yes, that's right. To look yeah. her mother, and then it uh-huh. and her it, sister, yeah. and they attack her, and she's dying, and they have to heal her. Yes. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it definitely seems transactional, especially when they one of them was just like, "Why don't you just let her die? Why don't you just kill her?" Yeah. It's fine. Let her let her die. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't really seem like they're really trying to be friends. No. It doesn't. She does and- learn some about, but it's a lot, sometimes back. And so Preetha has, a, Preetha's one with the child lark, right? Yes. And she's the, um, like, seer. Yes. Yeah. So we learn that. <laughs> yes. We, we learned that we learned that um Jalek's sister was you know burned alive mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. Finn's brother and mortal woman that he Finn was in love with are both dead. Yep, his brother Vexius was married to Preetha. That's right. why Lark is his niece. Mm-hmm. I mean, we learned some things. This is like the basic. It's yeah. yeah. This is not like. Mm, deep friendship type of things I don't think right so and some of it she just finds out by accident too oh yeah like about Jalik's sister mm-hmm. not intended for her to learn so I don't know from Finn and friends from their perspective I can see not being like not trusting her mm-hmm. like it makes sense them not divulging a bunch of information to her um from Brie, I don't, I think she just really wants people to love her and care for her. Mm-hmm. It's sad. It is sad. Well, and it's sad because I don't think she's had a relationship 
that didn't require her giving something of herself, right? These people and Sebastian want her, like the crown that she has magically hidden on her, basically. She's being used from both sides. Parents, mom abandoned her, quote, um, dad died. Um, even with Jaslyn, like she loved her, um, she cared for her, but she also like worked herself to the bone and then stole on top of that to keep them both afloat. So taking on a parental role of child. That's a lot. I think this character just wants someone to love her and her not have to give all that she is to be friends with or be in a relationship with that person. Yeah. And it's sad because I think that she kind of feels that way about her relationship with Sebastian. Because she doesn't realize that he is like that the crown is going to be of significance to him yet. Like, it just seems like he loves her and cares for her and wants to take care of her. Yeah. Which probably amplifies his betrayal. Mm-hmm. Do we want to talk about his betrayal? Or do we want to wait till later till we get to that in our notes? Um... We're almost there. Like the very end betrayal or him kissing another girl betrayal? Him kissing another girl betrayal. I meant that. Yeah. 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 Let's talk about him kissing another girl. Um, all right. Um, so things seem to be going sort of okay with Bree and Sebastian through a lot of this book. You know, he's trying to find a wife and Bree is like, you know, I probably don't want to get married to you. Mm-hmm. I don't think, and I don't want to be Faye. But I don't really want you, like, with other people. But I understand. You've got to do, do this. Or whatever, right? Well, then, he shows up. They start, like, heavy making out. She wants to go further, and he's like, no, no, no. I'm going to stop. I got an appointment with another person's pussy. So I'm going <laughs> to, like leave and she does her shadow walking thing and catches him maybe he's not having sex with this person who knows um he's heavy making out and grinding with on adjacent to one of the other contestants i guess or potential brides Mm -hmm. i was so upset I could have been more upset, but I was just, I didn't care about it. I was like, this is makes him, this is the most interesting he's been. Yeah. Well, I was really um, upset for Brie. I was. I was. She felt so betrayed. Yes. But the worst part about this is, is that his reasoning, the reasoning, which first off, I don't even think was delivered through him. It was delivered no. through his friend. Right. Was, oh, like he just wanted to make sure that what he felt for you wasn't a fluke. Mm-hmm. what and she was like oh okay I what no. no 
I turned around and I asked Tito and I was like, hey, Tito, if you caught me with another guy and I said, I just wanted to make sure it was just a fluke, what would you do? Or what? He said, he's like, cool reason, still cheating. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, yeah. I can't, I was shocked when she, that this wasn't a bigger issue. Yeah. Floored. <laughs> same uh, yeah i i had so many problems with this scene mm-hmm. first of all the fact that he left her to go hang out with another woman mm-hmm. like i don't know i don't even know if it's that that i have a problem because like i mean he's it's like the bachelor right he's sure. seeing like 12 women at the same time mm-hmm. okay give some grounds for that um I had a problem with his best friend coming in and being like um yeah he's doing this because he thought he could trust you and you broke his trust so make him trust you again what yeah I oh maybe so annoyed I was just and she was like hmm okay um and then he roofies her because that's what you do and he's like go bond go bond with her um yeah or with him yeah i this entire situation was just like one red flag after the other Mm -hmm. and i don't feel like brie has the appropriately angry response to this I where I Brie and under the impression maybe that he wasn't also having sex with 12 other women might consider setting his room on fire um at the very least maybe shredding some of his favorite clothes I don't know yeah I mean not even that like just a confrontation like hey, I'm pissed off and I feel betrayed. Mm-hmm. She does that a little bit, but also they're about to go to the castle, like the seaside castle. And so she's like writing it out so that she can get there because she's got to get the Grimoricon, which sounds like a transformer. <laughs> um, I don't, I just felt this entire situation, I don't feel like she was appropriately angry. She was shrugged. Yeah, I don't understand why she she just wasn't more upset. So first off, about the betrayal, or about him like sleeping with another woman after just being with her and being like, no, I can't sort of thing, Mm -hmm. right? And then on top of that, his BFF roofied her. Mm -hmm. She just doesn't bring it up. Yep. (laughs) Doesn't. I mean, she does tell Finn, no, uh, right. what's his name? Sebastian. Like, I think I was drugged. He's like, huh? Yeah. And that's it. Yep. Yeah. Um, what does happen is that Preetha rescues her. So maybe she, I don't know. It, it's still hard to tell if she's doing this from a place of friendship or if it's like protecting an investment. But um, Preetha rescues her. Finn 
I don't forces her into a cold shower and then um Brie like grinds herself to orgasm on his thigh and he's just like trying to I don't know keep her clothed or stable maybe and mm-hmm. yeah he was honorable i guess yeah right as honorable as you could be i mean he wasn't like bash would have i don't know if he would have necessarily taken advantage of her sexually but he definitely would have for the bond yeah yeah i don't know i just i had a lot of like conflicting and weird feelings about this whole scene oh and then also bless her heart I think she's probably got some low self-esteem or something she was like asking Finn and asking Prisa what's wrong with her and why she isn't enough and why Bash picked other people and not her and we felt bad for her then too yeah I felt bad during that scene where she was asking why she wasn't enough that was Mm -hmm. That was really sad. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of that scene from Gilmore Girls where Rory is upset because she had sex with Dean and he didn't leave his wife for her. Sad. They never leave their wives. No. She worked herself to the bone and stole from rich people and put herself in danger and it wasn't enough to keep her sister from being sold out from under her. Mm-hmm. her existence wasn't enough to keep her mother from not abandoning them mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. yeah well the mother is really interesting character kind mm-hmm. of. even though all of her stuff happens like off screen sort of yeah right? Brie and Jazz want her to be alive. Yeah. Still, even though they hate her. And one part of this that just like makes me so sad is right. This is when she goes to the cemetery, right? She looks in the mirror and asks to see her mother. And so she sees her in the cemetery. Um, and so she goes there, but when she asks again or something, she sees like a dead body. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's just and she like throws away because she doesn't want to see it. And I was like, well. She has like confirmation, I guess, that she said, but it just, I felt really awful for her in that moment because there still was a little bit of maybe my, like, maybe we can find our mom, you know? Yeah. And then, of course, we find out that her mom had all the other stuff yeah. going on as well. Um, she, it's so hard to keep track. So her mom fell in love with Oberon? Oberon? Oberon. Oberon. But Bree is not Oberon's daughter. No. Right. Okay. Yes. That was confusing, though. I thought we were going to get like an incest moment. Yeah, me too. With Finn and her. Oh, mm. This is about to be a different kind of story. Yeah. I was, okay. Yeah. So we learn that these stories that her mother told her and her sister 
were really her mother's stories, like her own stories. Mm-hmm. She fell in love with King Oberon, and then, oh gosh, she had to go back, and she ended up meeting then the father and stuff, mm-hmm. and being happy and turning him down. Um, I think when he returned, yeah. Um, so it's an interesting, I think it's a tragic story. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, he gives, Oberon gives their mom, um, a magic wind chime mm-hmm. for her to hang if she ever needs help. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's interesting and it's really sweet and it's sad. We see kind of different sides of the story. So we see, um, in this situation, the the impact that it has and the implications that it has. Mm-hmm. Oberon's love for Abriella's mom leads to him making a sacrifice um, so that Bree can live. Um, he sacrifices himself and passes his crown on to her, which is really tragic but we also kind of see it from a different perspective with bash sebastian explaining what happened from his mom's experience of things really right which is very opposite mm-hmm. so oberon and his mother were lovers and his mother Arya, her parents found out and separated them closed the portals between fairy and the human world so that they couldn't be with each other. Which is what led to Oberon meeting Bree's mom. Mm-hmm. But then we see from Sebastian's perspective. That the portals opened again. And he returned. And. Because of that. He could. And I forget what his mother Arya did. But because of that. They could be together. And Oberon said, I don't love you anymore. I fell in love with a human. Which is the start of this entire curse. That, I mean, is petty as hell, but um, this is part of what kind of plagues the human world and the fairy world now. So Oberon I was like, nah, I don't love you. Sorry. And Arya's like, all right, fine. I'm just going to curse everybody. So suck it. And so let's talk about this curse. First of all, nobody can talk, talk about the curse. It's like Fight Club. Second, the Seely cannot hurt the Unseely. But also the third... The Unseelie cannot use magic unless they kill people for it. And then four, they have to burn someone alive every year in the king, the court of the sun and the Seelie kingdom to keep the curse alive. I feel like there might be a little bit more to this curse. I don't know. Curses are kind of like prophecies, a little bit hard to understand. Um, I... I have some inter- like some interesting feelings about this curse, I guess. So one of them being 
Um, so we find out at the very, very end of this book, and we'll talk about it, obviously, that um, Sebastian is actually half on Seeley. Oberon is his dad. Surprise. Um, and so Sebastian is unseely. So does that mean he can use magic or not? Yeah, that wasn't clear. She's seen him use magic, but like human magic, like mage magic. Right. Yeah. So is that part of why he um, went to study magic in the human world? Was it because he couldn't use magic? Um, and so because he is half unseelie and the unseelie have to kill people to use magic, has he been killing people for it? And we find out at the very end when the glamour is gone, Bree wakes up his faith, the glamour is gone, that he's got a whole bunch of bond marks on his body. So is that from him killing people to use magic? It must, I mean, because Finn has that too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I don't know. There's like a lot of unanswered questions with that one. But also, because we know how terrible this curse is, it calls into question Bash's character, right? So, Sebastian's character. Um, Brie has a couple of moments during the book when Sebastian is very harsh and, and um, threatening mm-hmm. and Brie thinks well this is not his character this is out of character for him maybe I don't really know all that much about him which she doesn't mm-hmm. um, and he knows the tenets of this curse even if he can't talk about it he knows that his mother has to burn someone alive every year he knows that the unseely are being kept in refugee camps or no in like war camps I guess or I don't know they're they're being separate like parents being separated from kids and brainwashed and like it's bad news right mm-hmm. and so he just goes along with it Bree brings it up at one point and he's like yeah I know it's bad okay he does he say or does Finn say that um he tried to stop it or that when it got to the kids he had been he was going to stop it. I think it was Finn who said something about like he was sure that um, he, he thought that Sebastian would have stopped it with the kids, but he didn't. So he doesn't have, eh, you know what? I can't remember. Yeah, I don't remember. Sorry. Yeah. Um, We also know that Sebastian's father, we find out that Sebastian's father was Oberon um, and that Sebastian was sired on, I think, the day that there was the eclipse and Oberon got stuck in the human world. Mm -hmm. And so I can maybe see Arya being pissed when he came back and she's pregnant and probably alienated from her parents I can't actually remember if she kills her parents is that a thing I don't remember um and Oberon is like yeah mm, I love a human sorry 
Yeah. Um, I, the anger is understandable. Yes. Yeah. And she really went all out on that curse. Yeah. She did. That was a woman scorned. Yes. Right. Also, I wonder what's happening between this moment and Oberon's death because he doesn't die for like another eight years or longer, I think. So what's going on? And it also gives a different context to the speech that Sebastian makes to Brie about how Oberon could have just loved his mother and united their kingdoms instead of throwing it away for the love of a human. Because when you put it in that context, it, it feels like resentment a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if he carries like resentment for Brie because of her mother's role and what's happened. Also, maybe some daddy issues. And some abandonment issues, too. That's a lot. It is a lot. Um, So, we talked about issues with Bash and his family and stuff. Finn has catacombs with a bunch of dead people. (laughs) Yeah. He does. That's kind of hard to explain. Right? (laughs) I don't... Like, if you walked into someone's basement and just saw glass coffins of dead people hanging out, you would be alarmed. I would be alarmed. That is an alarming thing. Yeah. Um... I don't understand. So they're in like glass coffins, like like you said. So they're dead, dead, or do they come? Can he somehow bring them back? Is his plan to somehow bring them back? Because doesn't isn't doesn't he say Isabel is there? Yeah, she I is. Understand. Like, so in my head, I think, oh well, maybe he they thinks there's some way to bring her back, but. He also did very specifically say that she was dead. But glass coffins for all of them? Um, I don't know that there's a way to bring them back. I think they're probably dead for real. Yeah. which I think this sense. is probably like a shrine to his own self-hatred and pity, right? Comes down and looks at all the people that he killed in their glass coffins. And feels bad for himself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's not funny. It's pretty um, dark. <laughs> pretty morbid. I just, I just imagine I was picturing in my head somebody like going and cat like <laughs> looking in at all these anyhow. Um it is rather morbid. 
I mean, how much does it cost? How much does a glass coffin cost? Isn't he poor? (laughs) Impoverished? I don't know. Maybe Maybe this is what he saves his money for. (laughs) I hurt myself today. You hurt yourself today? There's the Johnny Cash song. Oh, yes. I hurt myself today just to see if I could feel. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yep, that's that's what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. Uh yes. I don't you know, we don't get much of an explanation about the glass coffins. I feel like there's probably more to this. <clears throat> I feel like there's got to be more to just having a a shrine to the people that you have killed. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But we don't find out because Bree doesn't stick around to ask the questions. She's kind of just like, you're awful and runs away. I can't. I would have so many. I have so many questions. Yeah. I would stick around. I'd be like, why the glass? Why do you want to? How are you preserving them? Magic? <laughs> because you have to like kill them for magic. So what's happening here? Mm-hmm. A lot of logistical questions with that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and so of course she assumes he's like just the worst terrible person ever because he's got some glass coffins. Um, which I think is so interesting. Like, I don't understand her feelings for him at all because she's like, oh, I think I might like him. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's a bad guy. He's got glass coffins. I've never actually seen him kill anyone. Mm-hmm. This girl sacrificed herself to him. The last one. Yeah. But uh I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. Um all right. I guess let's talk about how we got here in the first place. Mm-hmm. So Lark, nope. Bree mm-hmm. convinces Sebastian to take her to the glass no the the, whatever some castle by the sea which is where the grimoricon a book a magic book is being kept so she finds it and uh, she steals it and it attacks her obviously because it's a magic book um but she uses it to get back to mortius's castle so that she can fulfill his terms um so she got the mirror which is what one of the things he wanted, she got the Grimoricon, the magic book, which is what she he wanted. And she shows up and she's like, okay, what is the last thing you want? And he's like, the crown, duh. And she's like, well, doesn't everybody? And he says, well, sweetheart, you have it on your head. And she's like, no, I don't. And he's like, yes, you do. Look in the mirror. And lo and behold, she's had it the whole time. Okay. And the whole reason she can see it now is because the lights are off. I guess. Okay, how did she, she never looked in that mirror in the dark? In the dark. I guess not. Anyway, although this is where I was very proud of myself and I was like, yes, I knew she was somehow the crown. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I was proud of her in this moment too. You know, she's been kind of bumbling along a little bit mm-hmm. through part of this book, but in this book, she showed like real cleverness, mm-hmm. good initiative, things like that. 
So she realizes that she has the crown and she doesn't want to give it to him because one, she'll die, right? If you bond with an unseelie, it kills you. She's trying very hard to stay alive. Uh, But also, she doesn't want him, Mortius, to have the crown because he's a terrible being. Right. So we see her actually being clever in this moment. And she's like, okay, I made a deal with him that I would just return these relics to the Unseelie Kingdom. So she's like, all right, Sekka, I'm going to show you. Um, She does like a, a bait and switch type of thing. And she sits down on his his throne yeah i was super clever (laughs) yeah also kind of badass Mm -hmm. right and she's sitting on the throne of shadows or whatever it may be yeah um yeah she's like haha yeah that was that was a clever moment um yeah yeah i was proud of her i was i just wish her showing that cleverness hadn't been confined to like the end of the book yeah you know there are other moments she could have utilized that mm-hmm. yeah she could have but she did really good in this moment she also made sure that her sister got mit- sent to mage trifon's house before she like did all of this stuff so she took care of her sister which was the yep. goal the whole time mm-hmm. um and then so Mordius is like, get off the throne and give me the crown or I'm just going to start killing people. And he does actually kill someone. And I was very proud of her for being strong in this moment because uh, it's hard for to, to watch someone be murdered on your behalf. Mm-hmm. But she murders Mordius. She kills him. And it's really great. Yes. I wasn't expecting that from her. No. I wasn't, I wasn't either. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was sad that so the one person, the one girl that he did kill, and then the one girl that he was threatening to kill, like right before she killed him, right? They were sisters. Yeah. And that was an yeah. interesting sort of like tie in, I think, maybe to her being a sister too and being able to relate. Like, this is things could have turned out differently for her too. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Um, so she kills Mortius and then I don't know why decides to go to the catacombs. Like legit don't understand what her reason was for going there. Oh, I think it's because somebody said to her, oh, well, have you seen his catacombs? Yeah. Okay. Um, Was this the moment though? She's been stabbed and attacked by a snake. No, it was not the moment. Okay. It's not. All right. Anyway, she goes to Finn's catacombs. Mm -hmm. And he's there. And she's like, why do you have all these dead? She doesn't even ask. Like, wow, you got a bunch of dead folks down here. And why is he just down? I guess he was down there brooding. Or maybe he was waiting for her. Maybe he could sense that there was someone in his catacombs. I don't know. They have like a... um, I don't I feel bad for Finn. I this is like a um impossible situation for him. Like he could kill her and take the crown, but he doesn't really want to. Like he doesn't like or want to kill people, but he also doesn't want his 
kingdom to fall apart either. Mm-hmm. And so he doesn't even threaten her. He's like, you can kill me if you want to. Basically just stands there. Nah. Okay. Um, and she's like, mm, do I kill him? Do I not kill him? And she runs away instead. Runs outside, passes out, magically wakes up. Mm-hmm. Not dying completely. Because Finn, the great guy that he is, has her kind of healed before he sends her back. And in this moment decides, you know what? It's a good time to get bonded. Sure. She goes, sure. The other one has a whole bunch of dead bodies in like his basement. So you're the one. Set your standards higher. Come on. It's not dead bodies, dude, or dude. White bread. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Oh. There are others out there. <laughs> or just don't pick either of them. Yeah, or just, just pick yourself. Love pick yourself. yourself. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It was, it was, it was wild. <laughs> the last 10% of this book was wild. I really was. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so she binds herself to Sebastian yep. and is immediately like oh I'm dying and Sebastian's like don't worry I got this potion of life <laughs> don't be stubborn just, just swallow I feel like in that situation even though I'm terrified of death I would have been like no I'm not taking that just to just to spite you. Yeah. I 100% would have done that to spite somebody. <laughs> I'd be like, nope. Yeah. Lied to me? Well, I guess I'll die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then it's painful, obviously, because <laughs> transformation is pain. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And then she wakes up. Mm-hmm. And is Faye. And she has like some realizations, like that um Sebastian knew she was gonna die. He had the potion of life like on hand. Which seems suspicious. And then um she also finds out about, you know, how he can, like, have her throne now or her crown. Or he has it already, I guess. Does he have it already? Yeah, I don't know how that works. It's coordination day when she wakes up. Does it just, it like, is- automatically go to him? I don't know. Maybe. Or does she get to choose to give it to him i know i feel like it would have to be some sort of like choosing to give it to i don't know i mean lark does say something about her becoming like queen queen but she can be queen without the crown if she marries a king or a prince you know whatever yeah um but yeah so 
Uh, Queen Arya is still alive and totally fine, but it turns out that Sebastian is half unseely. Oberon is his dad. Surprise again. And he lied the whole time to Bree and apparently can become the king of the Shadow Court now because he is half unseely. Ambiguous as to whether or not he actually gets the crown from her or whatever, but we do know that she's still got all her magic and she is pissed off. She is pissed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Finally. Finally. I've been waiting for her to get mad this whole time. Mm-hmm. Me too. And it was brilliant. Yeah, it was and pretty great. I am here for the chaos <laughs> that I am hopeful she will rain down on yeah. people. With hopes for it. Yeah. So she basically, what, she like coats the whole court in darkness, doesn't she? I'm just yep. making this up. I'm just making things up now. She um like wraps up all of her servants and all of his servants in darkness and bails out. She just leaves. Yeah. Oh, she says in the darkness I've cast upon the palace. Mm-hmm. So I thought she like did the whole palace and yeah, I don't know. In my mind. Anyway, in my mind, that's what I pictured. It was just like everywhere here was like a big ball of darkness. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So you have some predictions here? Yeah. So Lark said that um, to be queen, Brie would have to die during a bonding ceremony, which she does, so she could still be queen. But she also says she's got a few paths in front of her, and she could either be, like, super cool and benevolent or really hateful. So curious to see what's going to happen. Kind of leaning toward hateful, right? Yeah. I mean, I think it might be fun. Arya chose hate and created a terrible curse that's been awful for everybody. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. You know what, though? I do feel like they didn't take Lark that seriously. Mm -hmm. It's just really brushed over when she says things. It's like, no, don't say anything. And then it doesn't come back to it because... Lark says something about how she has to die twice, right? She died once before in the fire, and she just died again. And I don't remember what else it was Lark said, but there was, like, a whole thing that she said. And Bree just brushes it off. And then when, so, I want to call him Breakin. But Backin? Backin, right? She calls him, and she asks how she lifts the curse. And he says, oh, well, do you want to know, like, the way that you live or the way that you die and she's like oh well, the way i live of course and it's like find out both mm-hmm. why would you not ask for both because there's probably a way around the dying part mm-hmm. <laughs> but whatever especially after hearing what lark said saying that yeah. she has to die a second time i would definitely want to hear my death option well whatever so this is a YA book, but it was on the spicier level of a YA book. I've there, it wasn't 
super detailed although there was a moment where he like sucked on her breasts and mm-hmm. i was like oh wow they said breasts um and not cleavage or bosom or something you know? <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> heaving <laughs> thing there wasn't any of that so i i wasn't so most ya novels are just fade to black like intense kisses and then he laid me down on some flowers and we made love sort of thing mm. right that's what a lot of YA novels kind of tend to be so I was surprised it was a little bit more on the spicier side I don't it um, wouldn't it it's in between like steam and spice and I don't know what that in between place is spark I don't know hmm hmm it was definitely yeah I didn't expect it to be yeah detailed like that i did really like that uh brie had had sex before this interaction yes yes that too mm-hmm. um all right should we talk about some quotes that we enjoyed yes let's do it all right so i liked this quote it says in this world the only power we have is our autonomy don't let anyone back you into a corner don't let your desperation make decisions for you. I like this quote. I can't remember if Bree says it to Nick or if Nick says it to Bree. I think maybe Nick says it to Bree. And I kind of feel like Bree ends up letting Nick desperation make some decisions for her. Oh, yeah. So very much so. I don't know. Easier said than done, maybe. Right. Mm-hmm. Especially when your sister's life is on the line and maybe your life is on the line too. Yeah. What about you? Um, I had two. So I had, I'd rather be old and wise than young and dumb, which I appreciate because I, I, neither one of us are old, but as you age, you do get wiser. And I just wish I had some of the wisdom now that I had when I was younger yeah. So I kind of I get I get that. Like I'd rather be old and wise and young and dumb. Like I this is definitely I'd rather be the age that I am now mm-hmm. um than be like 17 and dumb again. <laughs> um but the second one I picked was um so this one is no matter how hopeless I feel, there was always a little more hope inside me. No matter how faithless I think I am, there's always something to believe in. I like that quote, especially because, so Bree says this, and it's interesting because Bree's been denying how she has hope, like, throughout the whole book, throughout the whole series, mm-hmm. I don't have any hope, hope is what, like, you know, kills you, but, you know, so she's saying this is something that her mother said to her, um, and her mother definitely instilled that hope in her younger sister, because her younger sister is always talking about hope. I just thought mm-hmm. it was interesting that she kind of had this, like, switch almost towards this is a little bit towards the end a little bit uh closer to the end of the book um that she says this yeah yeah that's my quote yeah those are good ones all righty well that wraps up these hollow vows. Join us next time for 
The Book of Azriel by Amber Nicole. Thank you for listening to Literary Quest. We hope you enjoyed our episode. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we can be found at Literary Quest Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. You're also welcome to share your thoughts and ideas with us via email at literaryquestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again.